Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. Hey, good day to Sam Alliance. Uh, thanks for joining us on this wind-powered series. We're in week three. Uh, we've been talking about the power of the wind, the power of Holy Spirit in us to conform us into the image of Jesus and to empower us for a life of holiness and mission. And in the first week, we talked about the reality that you can be a Christian and not be empowered by the Spirit. Uh, And last week, Brian did a great job of talking to us about the power of our giftings and how it unifies the disjointed. And if you remember last week, uh, he talked to us about this crazy story about his dislocated finger, and we all got a little queasy about that. And then um, just talked about how how really that that when we use our gifts, God's putting us back into place. He's, He's resetting the disjointed and he's maturing us. And today, uh, as we continue, I, we're just going to continue in this uh, in this series and looking at the book of Corinthians. If you want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to be there in a few moments. Uh, but be- before I, we get there and we read that text, just a few stories, because a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that, um, you know, one of the ways we can grow in our friendship with Holy Spirit is that when our feet hit the ground first thing in the morning, just to simply say, good morning, Holy Spirit. And pause and listen. A few folks have been doing that, sending in their stories. Uh, Here's a couple for you. Uh, One person wrote, I woke up and told Holy Spirit good morning last week, and immediately a name popped into my head. I said to myself, that's interesting. I I sent a text later in the day to let my friend know that Holy Spirit had put them on my mind, and they were astonished at the timing of my text and said, you'll never know how encouraging it was at that moment to receive your inspiring and encouraging words. Uh, that whole practice of saying good morning, Holy Spirit, prompted a memory for Jim. Uh, I was on a mission trip last March in Guatemala, and he said, uh, we were in Guatemala last March. Work, we were working in one of the poorest barrios near the city dump. On the third day of our medical clinic, Jackie, my wife, and I were in the pharmacy area where she discovered some prescription eyeglasses that one of the team members had brought on the trip. We gave away or dispensed reading glasses because many couldn't afford them, but we weren't giving out prescription eyeglasses. Jackie asked me if I thought she should take the prescription glasses to the eyeglass area. I told her no, since we're not giving those out. We're not dispensing them. When she, well, she did what any obedient wife would do, a wife who was obedient to Holy Spirit. She took them to the eye station anyway. When she arrived, she found a teenage boy who had come with eager anticipation because he was unable to learn in school due to vision problems. He had tried all of the various strengths of reading glasses we had available and was crestfallen, sad because none of them allowed him to read. The moment Jackie arrived, he was feeling devastated and just preparing to leave. The team member gave him the pair of prescription glasses, and instantly he began reading and reading and reading. Excitement and joy was all over his face. He left a happy boy, and we all witnessed a miracle. If she had taken the glasses down there earlier or a couple of minutes later or that team member had not just thrown them in their, thrown the glasses into her luggage as an afterthought, we would not have seen God do a timing miracle. 
I love stories like that because they just tell us the simplicity of just obeying the little nudges that Holy Spirit gives us. And uh, if you've got stories, feel free to, to share them. And, and in this uh, series, uh, you know, we're looking at a church that's enormously gifted. The, the power of the wind, the power of the Spirit is moving uh, quite significantly among this church in Corinth. Yet they're a significantly divided church, and amazingly gifted, yet divided. A lot of dissension, a lot of disunity. Uh, chapter one of the letter, they're actually sort of, uh, there's a competition going on about who's their favorite pastor to listen to. Uh, you know, they're saying things like, you know, Peter, man, if you, if you really want to walk close with Jesus, you should, you should listen to Peter's podcast because, I mean, he actually walked with Jesus. He was an eyewitness. And still others were saying, nah, you, my pastor's Apollos. I mean, if you want to be inspired and encouraged, you need to listen to, to Apollos. And still others in the church were saying, nah, you, man, if you want to go deep, I mean, if you really want to learn about the mysteries of God, you need to pay attention to what Paul is preaching. And this competition about who to listen to was elevating pride within the church. And then you go to chapter 5, and there's division that's taking place because there's sexual sin in the church, and some of the church are boasting about how open and tolerant they are about this, uh, about this sexual sin. Still others are saying, hey, this needs to be dealt with. Uh, then you get to chapter 8, and people are, they're, they're abusing their freedoms and causing some people to stumble. Uh, back to chapter 6, they've got people suing one another uh, in the church. Fast forward to chapter 10, and, and people are, they're having love feasts. They're, they're celebrating communion, but they're not waiting for everyone to show up, and they're not sharing with one another. And people are overeating, they're overdrinking, and, and some are under the influence, intoxicated. Chapter 11, there's division between men and women and what their roles are in the church. And then we get to chapter 12, the passage we're looking at today, and there is disruption over gifts and which gift is more important and which gift is actually a spirit-given gift. And I hope you're getting a sense that this is, yes, a highly gifted church, but a church divided, a church dealing with dissension, disunity. And Paul is writing uh, to correct this and to instruct. And so we're going to read the text, First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. If you've got your Bibles, grab them, and we're going to read. And uh, actually today, there's a young adult house church that's going to read this text for us from the New International Version. Um, and would you listen to God's Word as they lead us in the reading of God's Word today? Hi, I'm Colby Holloway. Hi, I'm Nathan McFadden. My name is Kayla Smith, and I'm part of a young adult house church. And today we're going to be reading 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, 
to another interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. So there's three things that I want you to see from this text that uh, this house church just read for us. Thanks, friends, for reading God's word for us uh, today. Uh, three things I want you to see. And really, the first one is simply this. You're gifted. You are gifted. And, and, and even in just saying that, I, I think, yes, you're gifted with spiritual gifts, uh, spiritual powers, so to speak. Uh, but I don't know if we completely appreciate all the ways that we have been generously gifted by our Father, by our, our Savior Jesus, by the Spirit. Um, and, and so I, I just want to break some of this giftedness into some categories and remind us of who we are. Romans chapter 5, uh, verses 6 through 11, uh, tells us that when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Friends, let me just remind us that you have been given the gift of salvation, that once you were a citizen of the kingdom of darkness, that you were enslaved to the evil one, that you were like standing on the auction blocks and along came your Christ and he auctioned, he bidded, and he, and he paid a ransom price, a very high price for you, the price of his life, and he purchased you to be his own so that you could be rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. And not just rescued and saved, but that you might be adopted into his family and become a son, a daughter of the most high king. You've been given gifts of salvation, which then brings along with it every other spiritual blessing that Paul tells, talks about in Ephesians chapter 1. Gifts like, yes, adoption, but also gifts of holiness. You do realize that when the Father looks at you, he doesn't see all the deficits and insecurities and inadequacies that we all see of ourselves. He sees the righteousness of his Son. He looks at you and calls you a saint. He sees nothing but perfection because you have been dressed in the righteousness of Jesus. These robes of righteousness, they're yours in Christ. You're saved. You're holy. You've been adopted. You've been redeemed. You've been ransomed. And yet it gets better. You not only have the gifts of salvation, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter is preaching his infamous Pentecost sermon. He says, repent and be baptized and you will receive the Holy Spirit. The moment that you gave your life to Christ, the moment that you, you received the gift of salvation is the very moment that the presence of God entered into you and you bear the presence of the Most High King. You are God's temple and the presence of Holy Spirit resides within you. Gifts of salvation, gifts of God's presence and yes, gifts of the Spirit as we heard read for us in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, uh, differing kind of gifts, same spirit who gives them, but different kinds of gifts. Some gifts for service, some gifts for healing, some, some gifts uh, in just in speaking the messages of God. And you have been given these incredible spiritual gifts. 
And, and th- these aren't skills like, you know, n- learning how to ride a bike or, or learning how to uh, speak a second language. These are the kind of skills that actually, uh, these kind of gifts that, that actually build up the body of Christ. There's, they produce fruit that you and I could never produce on our own. Because they literally are a, a spiritual gift, a spiritual power that accomplishes the very calling of God on your life. God didn't just sort of spin some dial in some sort of random way decide, well, we're going to see what gifts get dispensed today. No, he gives gifts on purpose for this life, for this world, for this context, this circumstance that you're living in. God has given a gift to you, gifts of salvation, gifts of his presence, and spiritual powers to accomplish what he's calling you to accomplish as the kingdom of God advances. I love how C.S. Lewis captures this in his book, The Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. It's the, it's the kid's fable. It's about Narnia. And uh, in Narnia, it's, it's always winter. It's cold. There's an evil witch that is ruling, but winter is thawing. And it's thawing to the point for the first time Father Christmas has entered into the land and, and these four children have entered into Narnia. One has sort of betrayed and slipped off to follow the, the ways of the evil witch. But uh, three kids are being introduced to Father Christmas. Listen to how Lewis talks about the dispensing, the giving of these gifts. He writes Father Christmas saying, I've come at last. She has kept me out for a long time, but I've got in at last. Aslan is on the move. The witch's power is weakening. And Lucy felt that deep feeling of gladness that you only get when you are being solemn and still. And now, said Father Christmas, for your presence, there is a new and better sewing machine for you, Mrs. Beaver. I'll leave it at your house for you. And for you, Mr. Beaver, when you get home, you will find your dam all finished and repaired. Mr. Beaver was so happy that he opened his mouth very wide, and then he found that he could say nothing at all. Peter, Adam's son, said Father Christmas. Here, sir, said Peter. These are your presents, was the answer. And they are tools, not toys. The time to use them is perhaps very soon. Use them well. With these words, he handed to Peter a shield and a sword. The shield was silver with a red lion as bright as a new strawberry. The handle of the sword was gold, and it had a sword belt and everything else it needed. And it was the perfect size and weight for Peter to use. Peter was silent and solemn, for he felt that they were a very serious kind of present. Susan Eve's daughter, said Father Christmas, these are for you. And he handed her a bow and a quiver full of arrows and a little ivory horn. You must blow, you must, sorry, you must use the bow only in great need, he said. It does not easily miss. And when you put your horn to your lips and blow it, then wherever you are, help of some kind will come. Last of all, he said, Lucy, Eve's daughter, and Lucy came forward. He gave her a little bottle and a small dagger. In this bottle, he said, is a medicine made from the juice of the fire flowers that grow in the mountains of the sun. If you or any of your friends is hurt, a few drops will heal them. I I love how Lewis just 
talks about gifts being dispensed, in this case, gifts of leadership for battle, uh, gifts of intercession to call in help, gifts of healing to bind up the wounded. And it's all about the fact that Aslan is on the move. Friends, you've been gifted. You've been given gifts of salvation. You've been adopted into God's family. You've been ran ransomed. A high price has been paid for you. You are holy. You are pure. You are clean in God's sight. He delights in you. God's presence has been placed in you, and you have been given spiritual powers, spiritual gifts to move with Aslan as he is on the move. And I tell you this for a couple reasons. One is that you will see the abundance of how you have been gifted. But secondly, I tell you this because you need to know that your heavenly dad, your heavenly father who loves you and who likes you is not a stingy God. He is a God who's generous. He's open-handed. He's lavish. He's kind. He's magnanimous. He's so, he's so indulgent as he gives away and blesses and gifts. And friends, as Paul is writing to this church, he's saying, you are Gifted. The second thing he says is this you are gifted to manifest Jesus. You're gifted to manifest Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Uh, he, he literally is saying, To each is given the, uh, the, the gift to, to manifest the, the presence of the Spirit. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. And, and as that is, is taking place, what he's literally saying is that you're displaying Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 14, uh, Jesus is having a conversation. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, he will bring me glory by telling you where, whatever he receives from me. See, this is one of the job descriptions of Holy Spirit. This is one of, this is one of the ways that Holy Spirit moves. What he, what he does is he actually, his, his job is to point and to draw attention from himself to Jesus. He wants to glorify Jesus. And to each has been given the manifestation of his spirit, literally gifts to point to Jesus. And when people see your giftedness in action, what they're seeing is they're seeing that Jesus is in the room. Not long ago, Trina and I were at the Oregon coast. It was a sunny day, but like many times the Oregon coast, you've been there before, the wind is just ripping. And it's sunny, and we're walking on the beach, and we've got shorts, and we've got a t-shirt, and we think it's going to be a nice warm day, and it is cold as the wind is ripping, and the sand is like moving down the, down the beach, like it's, it's just being, it's being propelled by the wind, and our, our shins are being sandblasted by the grit collected on the, on the beach there, uh, on the coast of Oregon. You, you know what that's like. We couldn't tell where the wind was coming from. We couldn't tell where the wind was going. But we saw the effects of the wind. Much like Jesus told Nicodemus, look, you, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects. Paul is saying, you're gifted to manifest Jesus, to put Jesus on display. And friends, you can tell when Jesus is in the room when you're using your gift. You see, you walk into your house church, and you're welcomed, and there's a spirit of hospitality. Someone has got the gift of hospitality, and you just feel at home in this place. You're given a cup of tea, a glass of water, and you just feel like, I just don't know if I want to leave. And friends, Jesus is in the room because someone is using their gift. Someone shares a prayer request, and uh, there's sorrow that has been experienced in this past week, and there's comfort, and there's compassion, and Jesus is in the room because someone is using their gift of mercy. 
someone says to the house church leader, I'm going to stick around afterwards and I'm going to help clean up and Jesus is in the room because someone is using their gift of helps. There's someone in the house church who doesn't really understand and know who Jesus is and someone is explaining the good news of the gospel. Yes, there's gifts of salvation and yes, the gift of God's presence that can be placed in you and God wants to dispense his his spiritual gifts to you, not in a random fashion, but with purpose and calling. And someone is using their gift of evangelism and Jesus is in the room. Friends, you're gifted to manifest Jesus. And the last thing, the third thing I want to I tell you is this. Yes, you're gifted to manifest Jesus for the common good. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, the full verse, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let, let me just say this real clearly. See, your gift is not about you, it's about me. And my gift is not about me, it's about you. But when we take our gifts and we make them about us, what happens is is what's happening in the Corinthian church. It creates division. It creates dissension. And factions begin to get rooted into the life of the church. My gift is not about me. It's about you. And your gift is not about you. It's it's about me. And what the Corinthian church had done is they had embraced a consumer mindset. It's like they were walking in the church and saying, I'm ready for you to serve me. And if you take that consumer mindset and you just look at 1 Corinthians and read it, you'll, you'll see it very clearly. And if you transport yourself forward in time and come to our day and look at the Western church, let's just talk about our church. Let's talk about uh, when we're open and we get to gather in this place and we're coming to multiple services on a weekend, that what, what, this, what this looks like when we embrace this mindset of I'm, I'm coming here for you to serve me is we drive up and we're saying to ourselves, I sure hope there's a good parking space and it's close. And I sure hope when I go to Bravi Coffee House that that line is short and I get my mocha and that temperature of that mocha is just right. And when I get over here to the worship center, I better have my pew open and that seat, because that seat's the most comfortable. And when that service starts, it better start on time and the music better pop. And by the way, speaking of music, you better sing the songs that I want you to sing and they better be at the volume level that I prefer. And when you preach, by the way, could you preach between 22 and 25 minutes because our attention spans aren't quite what they used to be. And when you do preach, please, can we just talk about the stuff that we all agree about? Let's not talk about things like my money. Let's not talk about racial injustice. And let's not talk about sin. Because the reality is that I can go somewhere else, someplace, you know, where I'm hearing what I want to hear and singing the songs that I want to sing. And in some place, you know, maybe they got a kid's ministry and I can get on a slide and I can let my kid go on down to their children's ministry and SpongeBob SquarePants will sing songs about how to obey your parents. And if that place is going to give me what I want, maybe I'll just cut my ties here and go there. Can you imagine something like that? That's the Corinthian church, friends. And you're gifted to manifest Jesus. For the common good. And friends, my fear is that in this this powerful cultural context in which we find ourselves, where where sociologists describe this, this, Christian sociologists are describing that this powerful consumeristic self-centered culture and how it doesn't just impact what's happening out there. No, it's impacting Christian relationships. Let me just read this for us. It'll be up on the screen for you. One author 
pastor says, today, we stay connected to people and a church only as long as they are meeting our particular needs at acceptable cost to us. When we cease to personally profit, that is when the relationship appears to require more love, loyalty, and affirmation from us than we are getting back, then we cut our losses and drop the relationship. Friends, this is called commodification. It's a transactional relationship that says, I'll be friends with you as long as I'm getting what I want from you. But when I'm not receiving what I feel like I deserve, then I'm going to establish some new friendships. I want you to take that mindset that's very prevalent in the Corinthian church, and I want to suggest it's prevalent today. I want you to take that mindset and then contrast it to the mindset of Jesus, the one who we're increasingly hoping to become like. Listen to the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, where, uh, where he says, Even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. The Corinthian church is saying, I'm ready for you to serve me. And they've taken gifts and they have distorted them and they've used them to focus on themselves. You, see, you can use your gifts. I could use a communication gift and, um, and turn it into narcissism. You can use your gift and turn it into a focus on self. And when that happens, it creates disunity. And that's what's happening in the Corinthian church. And what Paul is saying, look, you're gifted to display Jesus for the common good. Now, imagine this. Um, imagine going to your house church. Imagine walking into your house church and thinking as you're walking in, look, here's my spiritual gift, the spiritual powers that God has given to me. Who's out there? Who, who needs my gift of helps today? Imagine walking into your house church and saying, who needs mercy today? Imagine walking into your house church and saying, who needs healing today? Who needs compassion today? Who needs teaching? Who needs revelation? Who needs to be encouraged that Jesus is here today? Imagine this happening in house churches all around our city. And imagine the day coming when we can gather in this place again, and that'll be a glorious day. And we come into, into our church, we gather together in community groups and Bible studies and small groups and the worship center together, and we come in with this mindset of thinking, I'm gifted to display Jesus, to manifest Jesus for the common good. Who could I serve today? And friends, that's the vision of the kingdom of God that we would orient ourselves in the same way that our master orients himself. He said, even the Son of Man did not come to be served. He didn't come to serve. He came and put a towel around his waist and washed feet. And he's called us to do the same. And for some of you, you don't have to work hard to imagine this because it's happening. Thank you. Thank you for manifesting Jesus and using your gifts to advance the kingdom of God. Now, let me wrap up. Just, I want to ask one question, just give you one just practical uh, handle as we, as we move forward uh, in this series. The first question, it's just it's a s- simple question. It's, it's, what is my wind-powered, my wind-powered contribution to my church family? 
What's the wind-powered contribution that I can make? It's really important that you have some sense of what this is so that when you can walk into Christian community, you can have that mindset, okay, so who, who, who needs the use of my gift today? Is there anyone here in which I, to which I can display Jesus for the common good? And if you can't answer that question, or maybe you just you want to dig into a little bit more, um, you, you can take a spiritual gifts test. It's the second thing. Uh, I would I would suggest is just to take a spiritual gifts test and uh, and you could ask those who know you well take the take the test and ask or you know or ask you know, what, what what spiritual gift do you do you see in me what do you see how do you see Christ gifting me to advance the kingdom and if you've never taken the test if you go to our website um, the team has worked hard to 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 make this available to you. Go to our website, uh, scroll down, and if you click on spiritual gifts test, it'll take you to uh, another page, and you click on the, the gifts test there, and you can begin taking the test, and you'll get an idea of what and how your Jesus has gifted you. He's not spun some sort of dial and randomly given these gifts out. No, he has a specific gift for you for this moment and in this day because Aslan is on the move. God is on the move. And your God is wanting you to move in sync with him to display Jesus for the common good. Let's pray together. So Lord, we thank you. Father, first we just thank you for your generosity. You are a generous God. You are a God who's open-handed who lavishes gifts upon us. Oh, forgive us if we be, we've believed the lie from the pit of hell that says that your hands are closed and your fists are tight. That is not who you are. You're not a stingy God. Help us to realize that even this week as we meet in our house churches. May we see you at work among us. And Jesus, thank you for paying the highest price so that we could be adopted into the family. And Holy Spirit, thank you for indwelling us, for, for being the seal that says we belong to Jesus. What a blessing. And what a kind God, good God, loving God you are. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.